Do you hear that? Stop. Listen for a sec. That's the sound of background noise, and it's starting right now. You're listening to Background Noise. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I am so excited for today's episode. I'm sitting down with Quinn from the Give 'em Hell Boys. This is an outlaw country band from Alberta. And I actually grew up on country. And then when I went through my angsty teenage phase, I stopped liking country. And it was specifically the Give 'em Hell Boys that made me like country a little bit again because turns out I like the outlaw country genre the fun country (laughs) so to speak I'm sitting down here with Quinn why don't you go ahead tell me a little bit about yourself about the band and kind of the little shtick oh yeah right on well thank you very much for having me uh yeah the give them hell boys uh we started actually a while ago now me and Charlie uh we played in another band together called the B movies he was actually a drummer, not a guitar player, and now he's playing guitar. And uh, yeah, it was interesting. It started as a bit of a side project because the B movies were a punk rock band. Some of the members were, you know, had, we all played in various punk rock and metal bands and stuff like that. And then we would hang out and jam and party and whatnot. And then some point, I would usually me, but I wasn't alone in this. But that secret country fan that we all had buried down in us would kind of come out, and next thing you know, we're all sitting around like singing all these old Johnny Cash songs and stuff we knew where we grew up with and stuff like that, right? And at some point, that became to us and our friends more fun and more entertaining <laughs> than some of the original music, you know, that we we were playing. It just, you know, it, 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 it kind of became this, like, side project that just took over all the other projects, you know? And so that's that's what happened. But the thing is, we came from that world of of punk rock and metal and... So we couldn't help but bring a lot of that same energy to uh, when we play country music. And I think it's funny that I, when you just said that, you know, like you grew up with it, but then you were like, no, I don't like it. I'm, I'm not a country fan. But then you kind of came around a little bit. And I find that, well, A, I really appreciate that when you say that we had a lot to do with that, because that's kind of a little bit of our mission in life is uh, we're... I, like when people when people tell me it's a conversation I have to have all the time and it, it drives me nuts and I, I always have to qualify when people find out I'm in a band and they ask me and they go, oh, what kind of music do you play? And I dread trying to say country music, not because I don't love country music, but because the preconceived notions people have about that, where they uh, their head goes right to, you know, the kind of radio country that's out there. They're, they think you're going to be Kane Brown or you know, uh, Jason Dean or Toby Keith or something, right? And I'm like, no, we're not that at all. You know, uh, when people tell me they don't like country music, I go, neither do I. That's why I play it, <laughs> you know? Because <laughs> I, I want to prove to you that, like, you know, like, I really do love it, but when I say that I'm being facetious, what I really mean is, like, the the stale commercial product that a lot of radio countries, you know, the, the market that they're going after, the demo they're going after, isn't the same people, you know, that you grew up with listening to with your parents or your grandparents or whoever. And that music's not only still out there for you to consume, but also now listening to it, it is kind of punk rock in a way because it's, it is subversive to the kind of music that's being uh, sold as country music, you know, to your average, you know, casual listener. Right. So I just like to, we like to take the, you know, find that the, 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 that edginess that is in country music uh, and 
yeah, wear that on our sleeves, you know, wear our heavy metal and punk rock influences on our sleeves while playing country music. I love that. And I'm so glad that you mentioned your metal and kind of heavier roots, because that actually brings me to the first song we're going to play off your latest EP, Buckle Polishers, that Ace of Spades cover. So much fun. So, <laughs> so much fun. I'm a big Motorhead fan. So when I saw that one, I was like, yep, that's the one I'm playing off that album in the playlist here. Why don't you tell me a little bit about writing kind of your version of Ace of Spades? How did it go? And have you guys had a chance to play that one live? Oh, yeah, yeah. We've been playing that one live for a long time. Um, actually, that's uh, one of the songs that, you know, we would have learned way back in the punk rock days. You know, it's a kind of a standard of that world, right? And it's interesting because Ace of Spades is a song that's usually credited as bringing punks and metalheads together. You know, it's kind of got a foot in both worlds. Motorhead was always that band, you know, that they're, you know, it like for fans of heavy music, they're kind of the Tom Petty's of that world. Not to, you know, I'm sure there's people cringing right now that I made that comparison. But, you know, when people say like, oh, who doesn't like Tom Petty, right? Well, you know, I don't know. Maybe some heavy metal fans aren't the biggest Tom Petty fans in the world, but you can... You, you can find Ramones fans, like even like like you could find like Napalm Death fans and, and, and Ramones fans both wearing Motorhead T-shirts, basically. So I, you know, I always had a soft spot for this song. It's something that uh, as a band, we just always thought it would be fun to bring it to our live sets, play it on acoustic instruments and stuff like that. And as the bands evolved over the years, you know, there's been less and less acoustic instruments. We started off a lot more as a bit of a string kind of old timey style band. But uh, but we never lost, you know, uh, this from the set list. It, it, it's, uh, it's just been something we've played for years and years. And then people have always asked us, when are, when are you going to record it? When are you going to record it? And then when we did this EP, the goal of this EP was to kind of show a bit of our, uh, not just more of our countryside, more of our influences. And then we just felt like, okay, well... It's all buckle polishers, but, you know, let's throw what we call a banger on there and let's do this, uh, our version of Motorhead. People have been asking for it for a long time. So, yeah, it made it onto this EP and we figured we'd make it a little surprise. You know, you're listening to some George Jones and some Chris Christopherson and then boom, Lemmy. <laughs> right. So it was uh, when you listen to the, the EP as a whole there, it was uh, it was an interesting mix because you're right that I felt like the rest of the EP was quite a bit softer and more of that. Not necessarily traditional, but that more like classic radio radio country where I felt like your old stuff was a lot more of that like old timey. I'll talk about one of my all time favorite ones that you've ever done. Blame it on the bartender in a little bit. But yeah, the Ace of Spades definitely felt like a, a different shift in that EP. And I just I loved it so much. Well, the only other thing I can say about it uh, is that uh, like I was saying about Ace of Spades or Motorhead in general being kind of the bridge between punk and metal. Uh, I, I kind of just wanted to say like, you know, that, well, but we could also bridge more of that, you know, let's build a bridge to country music as well. <laughs> right. So let's get country, let's get metal and punk and, and everybody rock and roll fans on board with some country. And as far as buckle polishers go, the goal there when we were recording the songs and I feel like the vibe comes on is like, yeah, we wanted to do these kind of standards, these old ballads that we love. Um, but also bring a little more like raw energy to them. You know, the, the idea was to do a little bit, kind of do them in the style you would do if you were doing an epic rock ballad or something, you know, and, and play them the way we play them live as a four piece band, you know? I love that. I love that so much. Well, let's, uh, let's get 
the rock and the punk and the country and the metal fans all together and uh, spin some Ace of Spades here. You're listening to Background Noise. Like what you hear? Follow us on Instagram at Background Noise The Show for links to episodes, playlists, and more. We're back. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I'm sitting down with Quinn from the Give Him Hell Boys. I'm so excited to have him on and be talking to him today. Uh, one of the songs I really want to talk about, it's been my favorite forever. And this actually, this song inspired me to change the format of my show a little bit because I've been trying so hard for so long to stay clean and not be explicit. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But there is one swear word in the, you know what? This is an outlaw country episode. I want less rules (laughs) in this episode. So we're bending a little bit. Blame it on the bartender is like a six and a half minute song. And I love long songs so why don't you go ahead and tell me a little bit about that one right on well i am also a fan of long songs that's kind of a bit of a fight sometimes in the band you know sometimes they're like uh this is dragging on <laughs> i'll be like ah we go longer we could be more epic but uh this is based on a, a true story um 
it uh we were playing a real dive bar a real real dive uh it was one of those ones where i think the only thing keeping the place open was the fact that they had a vlt room and the vlt room was on the other side far away from us uh under like harsh fluorescent lighting and we're just playing to an empty dance floor you know you could tell it was one of those places that in its day it, it, it was probably just like the crown jewel of the small town we were playing in, right? But that those days have long passed. And now it's just the local ne'er-do-wells who dare step foot in. And us, of course, the Given Homeboys. And uh, so the bartender who was working that night, you know, he could kind of tell. He got it. He knew, he knew what this was about. You know, he knew that, uh, that this was a real slog. So before our third set, because it was one of those, uh, you know, played multiple sets throughout the night. Uh, before our third set, the last set of the night, he lined up a bunch of shots on the bar and started, you know, pouring them. And we all did a shot with him, uh, which is not totally uncommon before you go up and play a set. Except he did that thing, you know, you only see in movies where he just lined them up again after we put him down and filled them up again. Right. And he did that four, maybe at least four times in a row. Uh, you know, and, and so we thanked him and we're pretty buzzed already by the time we got on stage. And I don't know if we got three, four songs in before I just hear this loud crashing behind me and I turn around to see the drummer just fallen off of his stool behind the drums. And this is the best part. I, I did, there was no good way to work this in the song. So I'm glad I get to tell a story about it. But when we're like, are, you know, we stop playing, we turn around, we're like, are you okay, man? And he reaches up from behind the, the, the drums just with his one finger over to his snare. And he's like, I got it, I got it. And he just starts tapping on the snare with his finger like, keep going, keep going. So I couldn't help but, you know, take that story and, and turn it into a song. We were off the hook after that. The bartender was like, it's cool, man. Like, don't worry, you'll still get paid. We're like, yeah, we're, <laughs> we're in no shape to play. But uh, anyway, I couldn't help it, but start writing the, you know, the story down. And I realized that it's just a snippet of like, you know, that one's an extreme case, but it, it, it's, it's the, it's the lifestyle, you know, it's, it's, it's showing up in, 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 in these small places in front of handfuls of people, you know, and uh, you never know what, what it's going to be like. So, so you make the best of it. You can right? like, uh, and the, hopefully at the very least you get a story or a song out of it, you know? And uh, yeah. And then, and then the, the, as for the sound of the song, uh, at the time we were kind of jamming the song, we were going through some lineup changes. And uh, Brayton, uh, who had been our banjo player for a long time, his life was, he was just moving on. And, and uh, so everything's amicable or whatever. But we, we just noticed we kept showing up, you know, to rehearse and stuff. And we didn't have this banjo, which was kind of the last holdover of like the traditional kind of old school, you know, like bluegrassy kind of instruments that we had in the band. And, uh, and it just kind of opened up the riff rock, <laughs> you know, in us a little more Charlie on guitar started like, you know, filling in more of that space that the banjo usually took up. And then next thing you know, we're like, Oh, when you don't play with the banjo, it actually feels good to slow the tempo down a little bit and, and let the guitars, you know, be a little hotter in the mix and, and shine through. So I think that's part of what turned it into a bit of a jam where it turned into a long song too, is like, you know, what are guitars good at, but you know, <laughs> playing epic solos and, you know, got to give them space to do that. So that is awesome. I loved that story. Thank you so much for sharing that. That honestly, it made me like the song 
even more now, and I'm so glad that I decided to break the rules and we're putting it in there. <laughs> it's just one, just one swear. Sorry, mom. Sorry, mom.
You're listening to Background Noise. Like what you hear? Follow us on Instagram at Background Noise The Show for links to episodes, playlists, and more. And we're back. Thank you so much for tuning in today. We're sitting down with the Give Em Hellboys, an awesome outlaw country band from Alberta. I'm having so much fun. I want to talk a little bit about your songs before we get into some of the inspiration songs. Uh, one of the other ones I've really always enjoyed was off the 2012 Barnburner album, Play Hank Williams at My Funeral. Oh, right on. Um, that one is kind of based on a true story as well, if you want to call it a story. Well, the story is uh, I was at a funeral for my great uncle with my brother and other family members, but I was just, you know, hanging with my brother at the funeral. And it was one of those typical things where, you know, they it's like at weddings they do this too, where it's like they do that slideshow, you know, it's like you can do it in, in like iMovie or whatever, and you just layer in the music. And at the funeral, they're, they're playing like, you know, grandpa and, and daddy's hands and stuff like that, right? And... It hit me that this is a man that I, I grew up with, you know, I saw fairly often. Uh, he liked to hang around. Uh, uh, my grandparents uh, had a cabin out by the lake and and he was often out there and he had an eight track player, portable eight track player. He would like to see he sat on the deck and he would always just have eight tracks playing inside him and stuff like that. And he was very outspoken and opinionated. And, uh, you know, I got to know his opinion on a lot of music because I I was curious when I asked him stuff like that. And I remember he really hated the Judds. I just, that detail always stuck with me because, you know, they were, I, they were just a real popular band when I was a kid, you know, the, the, uh, Naomi and Winona Judd. And, uh, and the fact that he had told me that explicitly at one point in my childhood, and now here we are at his funeral and they're playing the Judds, <laughs> you know? And so I basically told my brother, I was like, oh, man, please, like, you know, if I go and, and you know, somebody makes a, a lousy PowerPoint or whatever presentation, just make sure they play good music, music I'm into, right? You know, and then I was like, okay, well, maybe there's something there. And I was really thinking about that. And I started writing down some words or whatever. And, and eventually the, the song Play Hank Williams at My Funeral came out. And, uh, yeah, this is a little more uh, of an example of kind of like an earlier bit of our sound or whatever that, we're, you know, we haven't completely strayed away from, but this is more influenced by things like the banjo. And, and so it's got that tempo that's good for a banjo and, <laughs> and whatnot. But also uh, kind of typical of some of my songwriting is that I, I like to really juxtapose kind of darker themes or ideas of like futility, frustration, defeat or whatever with like upbeat tempos and happy music and and uh, so I think this is a really good example of, of, of all that. Yeah, it definitely is. And you know what I found was another really good example of kind of that juxtaposition that you do a whole bunch. And I also really enjoy like your, your like literalness with a lot of your songs and kind of the mm. irony in I Ain't Gonna Write No Songs Today. That song's hilarious because it's about not writing songs, but it's a <laughs> song about not writing a song like that. I like that one. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Take that, Alanis. That's truly ironic. A, uh, the plain spokenness of the music, like the songwriters that I really admire are, you know, have that way with words where they can turn, you know exactly what they're talking about without getting like bogged down in poetic mumbo jumbo. But yet they, they take plain prose, you know, or lyrics, I guess, and make them sound poetic, you know, like. Uh, I, like obviously Hank Williams being the example here, I would say uh, is probably the ultimate example of that, you know, and, and I'd say we have pretty much, you know, he didn't invent country music by any means, but 
if there was the original superstar who started to put it on the map, that would be Hank Williams. And that's what he was the master of. He was the master of get letting, you could relate to everything he was saying because he said it in such a way that it was relatable, but it sounded so pretty and so poetic that, you know, it, it, it's just, that's, I don't know. I think that's really a lot of the key to, at least a lot of the classic, classic country music is just that way with words, you know, where you don't leave anybody wondering what you're singing about, but you still make it sound really eloquent and very beautiful. Yeah, no, that song, that song is really beautiful. And I do, I love that kind of upbeat tempo that you still have with not necessarily heavy lyrics, but I, I definitely get that. I don't want to write today. I don't want to, I don't want to do this today, but you still have to, and you still, and you still did it. And that's why I, I I extra (laughs) love that like irony in that song. Uh, So let's spin that one. Right away, we'll also listen to uh, play Hank Williams at my funeral. And then when we come back, I have a super exciting and special surprise for all the listeners. And I feel honored to be able to do this. I'll tell you a little bit about that when we come back. I'm 
gonna write no songs today. I got nothing to say. I'm sick and tired of music. I don't even wanna play. Gonna sit right here and watch TV. Waste my day away. And I ain't gonna write no songs today.
You're listening to Background Noise. Like what you hear? Follow us on Instagram at Background Noise The Show for links to episodes, playlists, and more. And we're back. Thank you so much for listening to Background Noise. We're sitting down with the Give Em Hell Boys. And I have been given the special opportunity to play a song for the first time here on Background Noise. Children of Jolene, though? <laughs> wow. <laughs> that... Especially because earlier we were talking about your like hybridization of kind of that that like rock and country and metal crossing two of the the best of their genre songs together is revolutionary. So essentially this is a seven minute song and it's a cross of Children of the Grave and Jolene. And you guys absolutely nailed it. And well, thank you. We're going to play the full seven-minute uncut one because I can. But before we do that, why don't you tell me a little bit about that? Um, yeah, well, obviously, like I was saying earlier, we, we wear our, our influences on our sleeves and, uh, and coming from the worlds of punk and metal. And then obviously Black Sabbath being icons of, of the metal world, you know, kind of being actually pre-metal, proto-metal, if you will. Um, we've listened to a lot of it. We learned all those riffs when we were kids. Uh, Charlie, especially this came from a jam, uh, just like a rehearsal where he just, for whatever reason, he kind of got stuck on trying to remember some of these, uh, black Sabbath riffs, you know, and he, and he started really working out, uh, uh, children of the grave. And there I am standing with an acoustic guitar, you know, going like, well, okay. <laughs> because he just wouldn't let it go. You know, it was one of those, he was just got obsessed with trying to remember all the, all the riffs from, from children of the grave. And so I grab my acoustic and I'm trying to figure out how I could accompany him. And, and then I get the capo out and I move the capo I'm going way up the neck. And I'm like, man, the only time I ever capo this high up the neck is when I play Jolene. And that's when it dawns on me. I'm like, Oh, Jolene and children of the grave are in the same key. Who knew? Right. So I'm like, well, I know all the lyrics to Jolene. I've had to play it, you know, dozens of times. I love the song, but uh, but it's not one I've ever done live personally. But I've backed up, uh, you know, other other musicians, singers, uh, and 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 I know the song intimately. So there we are in rehearsal, and I just start, you know, seeing do the lyrics to Jolene kind of fit in here somewhere, and then I turn to Charlie, and I'm like, holy shit, <laughs> it works perfectly. I was like, there's no way nobody else has ever thought of this. And so, you know, I went home uh, and I started doing some internet sleuthing and I could not find a mashup of it anywhere. And I was like, all right, we got to capitalize on that. So I I came back to him probably less than a week later, probably by the next time we got together to rehearse or maybe even at the next show, probably at Soundcheck, I was just like, check it out. I figured it out. This is exactly how it goes. Here's the arrangement, you know? And, uh, and yeah, so it's been a staple of our, our live show ever since. And... Uh, we did record it, obviously, and the the issues we're having now is how do we release it? We're we're not we're independent. We we're not on a label or anything like that. And the legalities of trying to license what you would think covers are easy to license. They cost a little bit, but you know, in this day and age, it's actually even cheaper. There's so many third parties that'll just go ahead and be like, "Great, we'll take care of that." Whatever. What you would consider either a mashup or I think this technically counts more as a medley. Uh, they don't want to touch with a 10-foot pole. <laughs> and so looking into licensing it for ourselves has been a bit of an ordeal because we're like, I don't know if we can afford this. A, we cannot, for without being able to pay a lawyer, we cannot figure out the legalities exactly of uh, 
how like we would personally release it like without having to like pay tens of thousands of dollars <laughs> and we don't have tens of thousands of dollars so uh we've been sitting on it and we're trying to figure that out but what's great about things like podcasting and even it you know being able to like uh like have uh, radio stations be able to have their own legal departments with their own you know own royalties uh all worked out is that yeah this is the way we can get it out in the world so let's listen to children of jolene the full seven minutes and 11 seconds of the pure beautiful glory that is this song
You're listening to Background Noise. Like what you hear? Follow us on Instagram at Background Noise The Show for links to episodes, playlists, and more. And we're back. Thank you so much for tuning in to Background Noise. I'm sitting down with Quinn from the Give 'em Hell Boys. I want to talk about some of the songs that you sent me, though, for inspiration, that will mix into the episode. We'll start off with the one I've mentioned a few times now, because I'm a man by the Denim Daddies. Why don't you go ahead, tell me a little bit about that song, and then uh, tell me about the Denim Daddies. Well, okay, so, uh, you know, the Denim Daddies uh, have been playing around Edmonton probably, I don't know, the last, almost probably better part of a decade. Not quite as long as we have, but, you know, they, they started popping up so many years ago. Started as a three-piece. They've been adding on. And they're all accomplished musicians. They're all, they're all uh, guys who, uh, you know, in their own right, like, they're all involved in other projects and stuff like that. I don't know if this, they would consider this a side project, but it's one of the – they only really play and tour when, they're, when they have the time when they're all together. Um, but, uh, but I really feel like a kindred ship with them because, you know – they, they they definitely have a different sound and um they're not like you know we're not i don't know what what you would say but we're both trying to navigate that same kind of world of how do you play country music in a way where you honor your influences and then this is a cover they do this is a tame impala song right and i that's what i love it's kind of like ari spades or whatever it's like well they're obviously fans of tame impala but they're doing Tame Impala the way they, if they, if they had written the song, that this is the way it would sound, right? And I love it because sonically it's so different from the Tame Impala version, but it's not so far that you wouldn't be able to recognize it. You know, the first time I heard it, I was like, oh, awesome. These guys are, they're nailing this Tame Impala cover and I love it. And then, so I just, you know, I, I just feel real. We, we know these guys, you know, fairly well. We've played with them when we can. And uh, we've even had a couple of the guys sit in with the band from time to time. So I just wanted to, you know, kind of champion them as, as, you know, as yeah, as kindred spirits, as, as people kind of in the, in the same, same, same boat with the same mission, you know, trying to bring, bring country music to, to the masses and, uh, yeah, and doing it their way. I like that. I like that a lot. We'll spin, because I'm a man, in a couple minutes here. But first... We'll talk about another, I do believe, Alberta artist. Is it Skinny Dick? Yeah, Ryan from Lethbridge, or as he's known, Skinny. Um, Skinny Dick, uh, I, just kind of the same thing. You know, I'm just a big fan. I've met, we've played together. Uh, he's a great guy. But, you know, what's funny is I was just having this conversation with some other friends of mine asking, you know, if they had heard the record and things. And they're saying, God, he's such a good guy to get a like hard guy to get a read on. And the performance that he gives in the song that kind of, you know, I, I mean, I love it. It brings so much character to to his sound. Uh, but he's got that this real soft spoken kind of like monotonous kind of like um, presentation. That's what he's like genuinely in real life. <laughs> if you have a conversation with you, that's the same range he talks in. And I just really love, you know, anybody out there, kind of same thing with the Denim Daddies, who's really doing this thing where they're they're doing it their way. They're being true to their sound. They're not, you know, trying to get on the radio by, you know, singing about back roads and tight jeans and whatever, like... His songs are really about, you know, you can tell like they're really about what he's, what he's thinking about. You know, he's trying to express himself and his sound is just so unique and and genuine. But at the same time, it really evokes like that, that 60s kind of like Bakersfield sound, you know, you know, it's got a laid back way, but he's got that steel guitar like hot in the mix. It's 
it's gorgeous and uh he's you know he's he's doing great things right now but uh so I'm excited to see how it unfolds for him. I, I'm just glad to see, you know, because when I share this with people, they they tend to go like, yeah, this is really, really, really like a unique kind of interesting sound. They love it. We're going to spin some denim daddies and some skinny dick here. And then when we come back, unfortunately, we're going to have to wrap it up. But we will talk about one more song before we go.
stand for You said you don't know Listening to Background Noise. Like what you hear? Follow us on Instagram at Background Noise The Show for links to episodes, playlists, and more. Thank you so much for tuning in today. You're listening to Background Noise. We've been sitting down with Quinn from the Give 'em Hellboys. It has been so much fun. So thank you so much for joining me on this episode. I always like to save a song for last, talk a little bit about it. Um, I was a big fan of your Barn Burner album, so I did pull it from there. I don't know why, but it's just so, it's such a fun album. I've really enjoyed that one. And I think that's your first one on Spotify too, isn't it? Yeah, that was our first full-length album. The song off that album is Forsaken. So why don't you go ahead and tell me a little bit about that one? Well, okay, that's that one's more of a pure bluegrass song. At least bluegrass is as best we can pull it off. Uh, none of us are like real, you know, Kentuckian flat pickers or anything like that. But this is our love letter to that sound. And, um, yeah, it's a breakup song. <laughs> and just the same as my other songs where it's like, you know, I, instead of being sad and maudlin, if you the lyrics, you know, you know, if you just read them out of context, you'd be like, oh, yeah, I get it. This is what this is about. It's about turning to the bottle and, and, you know, drinking your cares away and stuff like that. 
But then the song, the music is just so upbeat and happy. And that's kind of the point, though, is that I like to take the ideas of like defeat, frustration, futility, heartbreak, all that, and then kind of give them like a triumphant, you know, that you kind of the music kind of overcomes the context of 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 the lyrics. Right. In the lyrics themselves, too, though, is is I, you know, I say like, you know, now I'm free and I repeat it over and over again because the idea is you kind of look at being, in this case, forsaken by somebody as as maybe that's the best thing that could have happened you know maybe it's better <laughs> you know maybe now i'm free from whatever heartache or whatever that was gonna continue so yeah and that that's that that was the point of that song i guess amazing thank you so much now before we officially go is there anything else you would like to add oh geez i don't know um yeah i uh i'm just uh, just happy to have a chance to talk about the music and and share it with everybody and uh yeah, uh, if if you are one of those people who doesn't like country music as a rule, this is what I have to say to you, is that I don't know anybody who only has one kind of music in the record collection, and if I met that person, I wouldn't want to have a beer with them anyway. I love that. Honestly, I do. That That is the best. Because even, even as I said earlier in the episode, I'm not a big country fan. I grew up on it, but then my angsty teenage years, I was like, nah, I hate country, blah, blah, blah. Even during those years, I still had country records in my vinyl collection. Thank you again so much for your time today, Quinn. I had so much fun. It was so good to meet you. I look forward to being able to see a live show one day. And uh, before we go, let's spin Forsaken.
It's over. And that's a wrap. Thank you so much for tuning in. I had a blast. Join me again next week. I'll have a fresh Canadian band. We're going to make some new noise. It'll be great. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Background Noise The Show for links to playlists, episodes, and so much more. See you later.